I'm Aislinn Green, and this is Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks one tricky topic in travel every week. And today, we're wading back into the weeds or the waters, whatever you want to say, of family travel. We're going to be hearing today from several members of the AFAR staff, all parents, in a conversation helmed by Laura Dannon-Redman, our New York-based digital content director. She and I talked a little bit after their conversation, and we're going to hear that for a couple of minutes before we go into the larger group conversation. Okay. Well, hi, Laura. Hi. (laughs) How are you? Can I call you Ace? Yeah, of (laughs) course. Of course. I'll explain for listeners. uh, That's my my California nickname. I don't know what happened, but when I moved to California, I somehow became Ace. (laughs) So we're going to be hearing your thoughts and tips on traveling with kids in a couple minutes. And it's such a big topic. Like, how did you decide how to focus this, this conversation? It is. It's massive. We actually had a much, much longer list of topics we wanted to dig into. And I think I might have bothered my colleagues because we ended up focusing just on a few. We probably could have stayed for a few hours. And what I wanted to, I wanted people to get out of this is I wanted to feel personal and relatable and accessible, right? Yeah. Because parenting is different around the world for different families. No one size fits all. So especially when it comes to travel, I just wanted people to feel like they could get a couple tips, a couple concrete tips based on the conversations we had and the lessons we learned along the way for better or for worse. Yes. And there are many lessons, it sounds like. Yes. (laughs) Without um, without giving kind of everything away, what were your main takeaways? We all have kids that are younger, that are kind of under the age of seven, I'd say. And I think there is a lot of fear sometimes about, you know, bothering other people when you're on the road with little kids. (laughs) And we want to empower people to feel like they can go anywhere with little kids, no matter the age, that little kids are just tiny humans who also want to see the world and learn a lot. And there are ways that you can bring a bit of home with you to make it a little easier on yourself and the kids. Hold out for Michelle Barron's packing tip. It's my favorite (laughs) lesson in the whole conversation. I'm not going to reveal it here, but it's about halfway into the conversation. It is quite brilliant. So yes, stay for that, if nothing else. (laughs) You have a big family trip coming up this summer. Were there any tips that you feel like you're going to put into practice? So we have this month-long trip that Aislinn's alluding to, to Australia and New Zealand, and I am pumped for it. And I am also a little nervous because we are bringing the kids to the other side of the world. What will jet lag be like? How long will it take hold? And I think my takeaway from our conversations was that like you have to go with the flow. You have Mm -hmm. to be willing to change your plans, even if it's a carefully scripted trip with internal flights and destinations you intend to get to. Doesn't matter. You kind of just have to wing it every now and then, which is hard for (laughs) families who are used to routine. Kids thrive in routine. So I am trying to convince my husband to be okay with just canceling some things and maybe sticking around in a place where we're loving the hotel, we're loving the town, and we just want to see more of it to dig in a little more. And it's so great to talk about that in advance, right? That your plan is to essentially like disrupt the plan. <laughs> so yes, everyone's on exactly. the same page. If you're like, hey, we're really loving this place. Let's let's stay here for a little longer. That's really wise. 
All right. Well, on the next family travel episode, we will circle back to you and you can tell us about how it went. <laughs> your your learnings. If we're still alive, I'll check back with you in a month. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. We'll talk to you then. Thanks so much, Laura. Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Dannon Redman, based here in Brooklyn in my basement slash playroom studio, which feels very appropriate for today's conversation. I'm talking with a few of my colleagues about family travel in 23. And uh, I get to talk about this because I have two very sweet, very active little girls, Haley and Livy, who are six and four. So what I'm going to do is just go around the horn and uh, ask everyone to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about yourself. Ooh, let's add a a fun fact, too. We'll start a debate. In addition to telling us where you're from and your kids and how old they are, please tell me if you prefer to drive or fly with them and why. So I prefer to fly with the kids because they have become little urban children who aren't used to being in cars for more than 20 minutes at a time. And they are much better behaved on an airplane because they get to like watch an iPad and move around and check out the snacks and things. So that gets my vote. All right. Next up, Michelle. Hey there. I am Michelle Barron. I'm the senior travel news editor at AFAR. And I also have two kids, a daughter age four and a son. Uh, Nico's almost seven. We live in the Bay Area. And as far as whether or not we prefer to drive or fly, it's a little bit of a cop-out answer. But honestly, I love them both. For They're both for very different reasons. You know, it's with driving, I feel like I can pile all the things into the car. And so I don't have to think too strategically about like what we bring or what we don't bring. We just bring everything. And there's so many great places to go and driving distance in California, uh, which we did a lot during the pandemic. But then with flying, we can go more places. So but then we have to be more strategic about how we pack. So I like them both. And the kids love them both most of the time, definitely more now than when they were toddlers. (laughs) Good. Awesome. All right. Next up, Sarka. Thanks so much for having me here. I am Sarika Bunsel. I'm our editorial director. I live in Nairobi, Kenya, and I have one daughter who is three years old. Her name is Isla. In terms of flying or driving, I will also say both. <laughs> Actually, Isla loves airplanes. She just loves the whole thrill of it, like, you know, saying hi to all the flight attendants and looking out the window at the clouds and, um, all the snacks and walking around. We love to camp as a family also. So I think that for that, it's just so I just really love, you know, going on in in a car camping sort of little a weekend adventure away. So nobody said yet I hate flying because my kids throw tantrums. Tim, is it going to be you? Uh, it is yeah i i i hate both um i managed to survive them i'm tim chester deputy editor at afar based in southern california i used to have a well i do have a son who's now seven and then we accidentally tripled that so we have two more sons who are both three and a half um used to do a lot of flying with just one and then when the other two came along we've done one flight in their lifetimes but we have another one coming up very soon but yeah, if I had to choose, I much prefer driving. Obviously, lots of places within reach in Southern California. We can, like you say, stack up the car with everything they love. And we're not annoying anyone else. And if we have to stop, we can stop and take it at our own pace. And I don't feel as trapped as I do in an airplane. That's a really good point about like not wanting to annoy anyone and being able to like kind of own your space. I feel like that came up a lot during the pandemic, right? That was our are out for getting around. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, just 
road trips in general and thinking about the role that they play in family travel nowadays. But to kick it off, I wanted to get our readers some really good intel on where they should go with their kids. So I wanted to hear from you. Where are you going this year with your little ones? Just to know, I think we all have kids under the age of seven. It sounds like Ollie is the oldest, Tim. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry for all y'all out there who have teenagers. We are not there yet. But please, you know, leave us comments and tell us what you do and what kind of trips you've taken with them. I'm happy to start and then I'll pass it off. I'm in the midst of finishing up plans for a fairly crazy month spent in Australia and New Zealand with my whole family, my husband and the girls. So we are going under the auspices of going to see some World Cup, FIFA Women's World Cup matches. So we are getting to two matches, but we're using it as an excuse to kind of work remote a little bit and take the girls all over Australia, which is a place that I love. I studied abroad there and have been back five or six times. We are circling the country. We're going to Byron Bay, Cairns, Perth on the other side, then back across to Tasmania and then Sydney, a stop in Melbourne, and then over to New Zealand and the South Island around Queenstown before flying out of Auckland, in and out of Auckland, which I think probably just gave a whole lot of people panic attacks, as I said all that. And recognizing that we're, you know, going to make our kids move a lot. They're going to be on the go. We're going to be changing routines. We may not have routines, but we're also not trying to program too much. We just kind of assume there will be a lot of pool days and chill days walking around the base. So wherever we're based in each of those places is really important. Do you find the more you do that, the more they get used to rolling with it? A little, yeah. yeah. We've been traveling with them since they were like doing big trips since they were about seven months old each. And they are very adaptable, thankfully. But I think like things you're used to, like they're used to that, but they can't handle a two-hour road trip, you know? Hmm. So it's it's kind of like <laughs> apples and oranges a little. So anyone else? I think, Michelle, you're taking a pretty epic trip with your kids in a few weeks. Yeah, next week we are leaving to Poland and Romania, which is a trip I dreamt up last year when my father turned 80. My mother's Polish and my father's Romanian, and they immigrated into the United States in the late 60s. So it's been on my mind to go there with my family and my kids' ages made it not very attractive the last few years. But then with my dad turning 80, more or less the pandemic restrictions going away and my daughter being four and a half now. So hopefully being a little more amenable to international travel, we're, we're going to make it happen. Uh, similarly, it will be a pretty busy trip. We'll go to Warsaw. From Warsaw, we're going to Krakow for a couple of days. Then we're going to fly to Bucharest. From Bucharest, we'll take a little mini road trip. And I'm honestly, I, I myself am curious to see what my own review of this trip will be when I get back in terms of mostly my daughter's performance and see whether or not she like steps up to the challenge and leaves some of the toddler antics behind or um, if we, we see some regressions and some fits and, you know, asking to go back home, which is common. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but like sometimes I feel like when we push our kids a little bit in terms of like the the pace of travel being a bit much or them getting too far out of their comfort zone, I notice that especially my daughter will start to say, you know, I want to go back home, I, you know, because she's just missing the comfort and the routine. Anyways, it's going to be epic. It's going to be great. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be all the things, all the reasons why we do this, <laughs> why we push through and do these big trips, because it'll be great. No matter what, there'll be memories. Some good, some probably not so good, but there will definitely be memories. 
I love that. I, my daughter, just this weekend, we were in New Jersey from New York. She said she wanted to go home. And it was so weird because we were at like grandma's house, right? And she just wasn't feeling well. So it's kind of like, you can't predict when that's going to happen. I totally hear you. Yeah. Like you're just changing their environment constantly. And even and things you... like food, like the, you know, right. my mom likes to cook Polish. Obviously she likes to cook Polish food and my kids don't, it's like food that they're not as familiar with. And so they just get like, you know, kind of whiny and, you know, and it's like, can you try and eat it? Cause she made it for you. And it's like, I just want to go home where, you know, <laughs> I eat mac and cheese. Three meals <laughs> yeah. <a day. laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And also that just like balancing the multi-gen stuff is interesting and challenging and it's heartwarming and challenging <laughs> and all of it. <laughs> Before we hear about Tim and Sarka's trips, do you, do any of you have like things you must pack for the kids to create that sense of home? I mean, admittedly, it's not going to be home, right? That's the point. You're going on vacation and it's going to be fun and new, but like, how do you get out of the house without 20 stuffies is my basic question. I mean, I have something embarrassing to admit about what, how I'm packing on this Europe trip. My Kalina, who's clearly like the more challenging one, is a very picky eater. I am packing one whole suitcase, basically, of like foods I know she will eat. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like Cheerios, Hawaiian rolls, even some shelf stable milk. So I have like milk, like a suitcase. Like it's ridiculous. I never thought I would be this parent. I always thought I'd be like, we go, we're going to find things to eat, you know, like it. And it's just like, you know what? I just need some peace of mind to know I have some things that will keep her alive for two weeks and stave off, you know, fits. And I was like, this is perfect. I'll go with this extra suitcase that has a bunch of snacks and we'll eat through the snacks and then we'll pack it with souvenirs and bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Either of you guys? Not, not, nothing unusual. No, really. Just books. You know. Yeah. Books. A lot of books. Books yeah. are heavy though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not wheeling the little kid suitcase behind. Oh, so <laughs> they have their that. own little kid suitcases yeah. now. This is another yeah. debate whether we do the two giant adult suitcases that the kids can ride on or we make everyone pack their own. All right. So you're opting for the little suitcases. Where are you going next, Tim? Yeah, my um, travels aren't quite as ambitious as either of your trips, partly because we're a bit outnumbered, three to two. And even <laughs> when we just go to a local you know, we went to this local chili cook-off thing and there's always one missing. And so <laughs> we're trying to contain them a bit more <laughs> on our travels. So this weekend, we're doing actually doing a multi-gen trip to Legoland. And we're actually using an app called Churo, which is like a car sharing app because uh, we need seven seats. So I'm going to interested to see how that works out. And then later in the summer, we're going to finally get back on a plane and go to Cabo San Lucas. There's two auberge hotels really close to each other and they both have great kids clubs packed full of activities because i mean this is another family travel dilemma like how much do you want to spend time as a family on the trip and how much do you want to pack them off <laughs> to someone else and relax so um we're going to do a mixture of the two but yeah we're, we're we're on the lookout for places where we can like i say contain them and keep them stimulated and just um, know where all three are at any one time I like the philosophy of one thing for the kids and one thing for the parents each day or like the adults each day. Mm -hmm. So you don't like, especially if you're doing Legoland all day, you should get like wine country day the next day or something <laughs> like a little healthy balance. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Sarika, what about you? I was just thinking how 
like sometimes traveling with kids can just feel like parenting in in another location that you're not as familiar with. So I feel like having that kind of balance really helps. In terms of where we are going, we are going to uh, actually be spending a bunch of the summer in the U.S., which is where our families are. And on the way, we're going to be spending a week in London, which I'm really excited about. My aunt is there and I spent a bunch of time there as a kid. And I am actually really excited to show my daughter like the side of London that I saw as a kid, like having like a softy ice cream with a flake in it and um, going to see the changing of the guards and kind of like the like the cheesy tourist stuff that I think more experienced travelers would roll their eyes at a little bit. But in the eyes of a toddler, it's all really fun and cool. I also really want to take her to a museum for sure and just expose her to some very you know, I feel like London has such amazing exhibits on right now, specifically, like there's this really cool Ai Weiwei exhibit. So, you know, I don't know what you'll understand of it, but I'm just excited for it. Where are you staying in London? With my aunt. And I feel like most of our travel, I think this is a thing with being an expat, is that most travel ends up revolving around seeing loved ones who live very far away. And, and yeah, so it's that hard balance of like, okay, we, well, we want to spend time together as a family, but we also want to see all this family and friends who we, on a daily basis, live halfway across the world from. I think that would resonate with a lot of people, probably people listening too, is how do you balance wanting to just take a vacation just for your immediate family and spending time traveling to see people, um, especially post-pandemic, right? There's that rush. Totally. We had so many years to make up. Tim, do you go back to London much? If you couldn't tell, Tim's accent is very Southern Californian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, we did the famous trip back with the first child when he was two and a half. And yeah, he was uh, awake, running up and down the aisle both ways, finally fell asleep just as the plane was coming into land and got really cranky at passport control. He was doing that strange sort of walking circles on the floor thing where the stewardesses and stewards were trying to work. And it was a nightmare. And then he woke up at 3 a.m. every day for a week. So we were a bit scarred from that. But we are actually going, planning to go back next summer. So we're like going to do a month there. And the youngest ones will be four and a half. So I'm just hoping that everything will be fine. And we'll definitely be buying three iPads for that. <laughs> yeah, Godspeed. No. So many of us are doing these longer trips now, too. Did you guys ever take a month to do something before or like three weeks? We're all U.S. based. Well, traditionally U.S. based, and we have like what a minute of vacation. Although Afar has a very generous flexible leave policy. <laughs> My parents, being European, they were very into the like August. We take all of August off, and we go. And we w- we did actually take these like epic trips in August. And I recently asked them about that. I was like, "How did you do that? Like, did you have vacation time to do?" They were engineers, like very intense um, nine to five, seven to five jobs, and they said that they took some of it as unpaid vacation so in order you know they would they would arrange it all and make sure like they were covered for being out of the office but they said yeah they just took like two of those weeks as unpaid and i was like oh okay (laughs) interesting i found that with kids like there's so many times when they're sent home from preschool there's so many times when you're juggling work and parenthood anyway you may as well go do that somewhere else (laughs) and you know combine a bit of remote working with a bit of vacation and find some holiday camps and kids clubs and enlist grandparents and yeah you know just change the scene yeah we're bringing grandma and grandpa on part of our australia hike about a week of it so i think 
my husband and I will have one night off maybe. Cause that's another thing when you're on vacation, like, yeah, if you don't have kids clubs, it's parenting around the clock, at least when you're home, there's school or something. But I also think we all deal with jet lag a lot, jet lagged toddlers. Do you guys have any hacks or places you refuse to go because the jet lag is just the worst? Um, no, I mean, just it, jet lag is definitely like time zones, time zones, definitely more of a consideration for me now. Um, just generally, I don't really want to go more than a two or three hour radius in any direction with all of them, if possible. It definitely kind of refocused where I think about traveling. And yeah, I certainly wouldn't do any long haul, super long haul stuff. Yeah, if I'm honest about it, I am stressed out about this trip to Europe because of the jet lag. But I also just felt such a need to do it now that I'm kind of I, like all the normal considerations. And I think this is the difference between, you know, what I'm doing this kind of returning to our there's like a real specific purpose to this trip versus a vacation that we would pick. Because to Tim's point, I would definitely, you know, in terms of vacation, we often just go north or south for, you know, like we'll go to Canada or go down to Mexico. So we don't, we can go somewhere beautiful and not necessarily work. Cause it's like, I'm on, I want to relax. In this case, I feel like I'm just like, we got to do this. We got to go. We're going to go. We're going to do it. And it's going to be, it can be painful. But one thing I, I, we haven't experienced a ton of jet lag, like big, like Europe jet lag with the kids, like 10 hour time difference. But we have done some like East Coast, like three hour. And one thing I do feel like, people don't give kids enough credit for is they bounce back pretty quick. Like we are, like, I feel like we're like the older one, like our bodies, like we're all like old. Yeah, yeah. We're struggling. <laughs> My kids like one good night's sleep, like maybe that first night or so where it's like, we're a little all over the place, but like I get them to crash hard on like one night and they crash and they sleep and it's like, we're back. <laughs> we're back we're back in business like so i do feel like they they definitely are crazy maniacs they're getting tired during the travel process i feel like that part of it the transition part is challenging but i do do feel like once they're rested they're like fully a hundred percent back in business so and that part i'm sort of envious because i'm like really because like i'm still creaking along <laughs> so for for us like it's always Going east to west, there's not nearly as much jet lag. So so going west to east is actually the the harder part. So for for us, like, you know, most of our big trips that we've done have been back to the US. And then so coming back, like I just know that there's gonna be five days where it's just gonna not be the best. And yeah, I agree with Michelle completely that kids bounce back so much faster and it's annoying because you're like, I'm tired. Can't we just all take like just like sleep for another hour? I, I feel like a lot of the tricks that work for adults also work for kids though. Like just try to make sure that they see sunlight during the daytime and uh and you know, try not to let them nap too much during the day and all of the same things that I try to do. I'm like, okay, let me just try this on the little person and hopefully it works too. Does anyone use melatonin gummies mm, not yet no. have you tried it does it work yeah which is i find a bit worrying it's very they're, they're effective <clears throat> um but they're, for the kids and the adults or just uh who do you just, give it to <laughs> <laughs> no the the things i've started doing is if we're taking a red eye and we're getting somewhere and we don't have early check-in i i call it investing i've been investing in a hotel room for the night before like an Airbnb in a ho or a hotel room, because we have spent like an entire day hanging in the lobby of a hotel until they let us in. And I, I never want to do that again. 
Um, even if it's in, you know, Sevilla or Lisbon, it, they're beautiful. But, you know, it's still 6 a.m. and you have cranky kids. We also don't really get on local time very well, which me- ends up working in our favor because it means the kids stay up later and we get to sleep in. And maybe we don't get as much sunlight, unfortunately, but we do get to go out to dinner, which is something that we don't do that often at home. So I'm kind of an I'm an advocate for just uh, sleep when you're tired, but I might be in the minority there. Oh, yeah. I have no we have no schedule when we're traveling, like in terms of like bedtime. I'm like, what? Okay, it's 10 o'clock. I guess a child should sleep. I don't know. In in India, which is like where my family is from, um, there really is like no bedtime for children. So it's like the whole concept of just keeping your kids like, you know, 7 p.m. put them down is so foreign to me. So I'm like, okay, trying to do it because I know I should. But at the same time, if it doesn't happen, I'm like, eh, I turned up fine. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You did. If you're looking for a taste of something new, then I am excited to tell you about Foods That Matter, a new podcast that takes foodies to different corners of the world, unlocking the secrets of the globe's most extraordinary cuisines. Join host and food archaeologist John Robert Sutton, also known as the Indiana Jones of food, on a culinary thrill across the world, where you'll gain deep insights into food culture a better understanding of food origins, and learn how to discover these culinary treasures all on your own. Follow Foods That Matter wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm going to switch gears for a minute and do a little rapid fire, yes or no, little debates. Let's start with something that's been in the news lately. Should kids be in first or business class? Should they be allowed there? Sarka, you had a good response to that at one point. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't really get why it's okay. Number one, I do get that, you know, kids don't crave the legroom as much as adults do because they, you know, are smaller. But I I remember so distinctly when I was eight and we got upgraded and I sat in business class and I got ice cream with a real spoon and I felt so fancy. I just feel like why are we denying little people those luxuries? Like it's, they're so few and far between and why not? I also feel like, I don't know, maybe part of it's that kids interrupt the elite, beautiful nature of first in business class or something like that, to which I say that I'm just very thankful that I, that I am living in Nairobi where kids are just considered part of society as opposed to these, you know, little tiny creatures that you need to shove in a closet and put duct tape over their mouths because, you know, they're not allowed to make any noises. And I just, I don't know, I just feel like parents are responsible for their kids. They can bring enough stuff to stimulate the kids, whatever that is, in order to get them to not bother other people too much. And also a lot of adults in business class are really annoying anyway, so I don't see the kids as being any different. (laughs) So that's that's my slightly rebellious answer. Yeah, what do we do about toddler behavior in adults? Yeah, that's true. Michelle, have you covered this or did we talk about this? The idea of like an all adult cabin or an all adult airplane? I mean, it comes up every, you know, the issue of kids and flying comes up somewhat regularly. I actually just interviewed some Delta flight attendants about this very topic about flying with kids and a lot of the struggles, you know. My thing is, first of all, kids are people, like they're people, (laughs) you know, so even the idea that they wouldn't be allowed in first or business class, like, 
if they paid for a seat, they're a person. And to like Sarka made a point, like no behavior is never a guarantee, no matter your age. I get it. The other thing that I think is really interesting is I think people assume just because I'm a mom does not mean that I like the sound of a crying baby. It is not a pleasant sound, but in no way do I think that the baby shouldn't be there. And another thing that I recently thought of is that, you know, there's a, another argument that kind of comes up with kids and, and flying is, well, why are you even taking them? They don't, they're not going to remember anything. Why are you taking the baby? Like we're also bringing our children to see their family and a lot of the joy that that brings to elderly members of the family who maybe can't fly. Even just in this discussion, think about how many of us are talking about trips in which we're going to see family. So this idea that, yes, it is, it's absolutely privileged to be able to fly with, and I feel so grateful that I can fly with my kids. But this idea that I'm just taking, you know, a baby on a vacation that they won't remember, that's not always the case. So much of the time when people are traveling with kids, they're bringing those children to see family members. So I just think in general, I wish there was greater acceptance and, you know, just get some noise canceling headphones. If you know that that's something that's going to bother you, the toddler kicking on the back of the seat. I get it. That's not cool. You know, when my kids do that, I'm like, horrified and I do everything in my power to like physically block them from that's not okay. But something like a crying baby, I'm sorry. It's just part of life. It's my mom has this great saying, the art of living in society together. And that's part of it. We all live together in society with babies, with older people, with people with disabilities, with people with all kinds of issues. You know, I wish I wish there was just more acceptance and more of that kind of community, like Sargasing and other like embracing where you have other passengers help, you know, offering to help with the baby versus shunning you know, babies and small kids on airplanes. So that's my, you know, that's my tirade. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. Clearly I have feelings on the issue, but. <laughs> yeah, plus one to everything you just said. <laughs> it drives me mm -hmm. nuts. Like, I think kids can learn by osmosis too, in a way, right? I mean, this idea that it's, you're just bringing a baby along for the ride. Like uh, Tim, we were talking about just the beginning of this podcast. I do think my kids are more adaptable because they are and they like the pursuit of new things. They are curious. Would they have been curious just like through DNA, perhaps? But we are giving them opportunities to explore. And I wouldn't trade any of that, even if they can't remember anything that happens before the age of four, you know? Also, they they also learn that what they think is normal in one place is not normal in another. Like even if they don't remember exactly, like they'll remember they went to some place where I don't know, toilet paper isn't normal, or they always eat fruit in the morning. And I think it's just like a really nice thing for kids to be able to grow up with that idea that uh, that places are different, but people are still living there and living life. Amen. I mean, those are all such good points. And I'd love to finish off with some of our favorite places we've been with our families, could be US, could be global, that you would absolutely recommend. Sarika, where do you love to go? I'll put a plug in for Kenya. I think Kenya is such a great family-friendly destination. Um, you know, Isla has been on, I counted, I think, seven or eight safaris. And, uh, and you know, she's three. So she is a faster animal spotter than most adults that you see. You <laughs> um, get in the car. She, she knows all of their names. And she's just like such, so keenly observant as a result. So it's 
I feel like going specifically on safari with a child is one of the best things that you can do. Awesome. Michelle, what about you? I'll put a plug in for Vancouver, Canada. We did it back when Nico was two and or just about to turn two. We got in that one last trip before they're not a lap child anymore. You know, every parent knows. <laughs> and the advantage was no jet lag. We were going north. We got a little taste of international travel. You know, someone could say Canada is a little international travel light, but still another country with different customs. It's cool. So it was a great summer destination versus going somewhere too hot and, and really forested. So lots of hiking and outdoors. And along those lines, I also have to put another plug and it's so cliche, but the national parks, we got our kids those national park passports mm -hmm. where you can mark off all the national parks. And we're just so excited to go through and mark them off and they have the little junior ranger programs at each national park so i know it was you know huge during the pandemic and they're never i mean the national parks are never going to get old right yeah i took oliver to yosemite when he was young and um, all the big open spaces of central southern california have been great we had real fun in big sur wading through rivers among the trees and there's a place called carmel valley ranch which is a sprawling ranch style hotel up there yeah, we've just we've made a lot of good memories in California. Yosemite has that great evergreen lodge. I think maybe Michelle or Tim, you guys recommended it. I love that place. It's great. It's amazing. It's so great for families. Few last minute favorites. I have loved Portugal with little kids. It's such a welcoming place for families. Everything from like the automatic families get to go first in airport security lines to pregnant women get their own parking spots playgrounds are next level i feel like half of our travel is around like what new playground are we going to discover so we spent a lot of time in like lisbon playgrounds scotland equally equally welcoming everyone just like like you were saying about kenya sarika they's just like they're just tiny humans you know they're not subordinates so to speak so so much of europe i think acts that way we were just in italy with them too france so highly recommend those trips I think that's about it. That's all the time we have. We could talk for like four more hours, I think, but we all have work to do and you you all have busy lives because you are parents. So thank you, everyone. Happy travels and take care of your tiny humans. Thanks, Thanks so much. Guys. Thank you. And that's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you glean some tips if you're a parent about how best to coordinate your travels going forward with your kids. Or if you're not, just uh, appreciating how difficult it is to move around this world with kids. A couple of updates from both Sarika and Michelle. They both have taken their trips. And Michelle said that their trip went very well. The jet lag was nowhere near as bad as she thought it would be. As she said during the episode, you know, kids are pretty resilient and she found that her kids powered through most days. She did say that Catalina took a monster three-hour stroller nap that first morning after waking up at 3.30 a.m. But she said that even that was kind of convenient because they could still explore while she slept. And the food suitcase was a huge hit. She said it worked out perfectly. It allowed the kids, especially Catalina, to transition to local food and snacks rather than forcing them to try new things when they were still tired and adjusting to a new place and time. Michelle said as their supply slowly started to dwindle, they started to experiment with local finds. 
and managed to find both Philadelphia cream cheese in Poland and Romania, which Catalina loved with pretzel stick dips. But Catalina also fell in love with Romanian hot dogs. So hey, she tried something new. And then they did empty the suitcase and bring it back filled with some toys and other, you know, travel souvenirs. So total hit there. And Sarika is having a wonderful time in London with Isla right now. She said that they haven't even had to plan that many activities since Isla's been so excited to like take the double-decker bus and the tube. And she sent a photo of Isla eating an ice cream cone the size of her head, which I think we'll share in our Instagram stories this week. Uh, they've met friends around the city. They did take her to the Ai Weiwei exhibit that included his giant version of Monet's water lilies, but made out of Lego bricks, which Isla really loved, even if she didn't kind of fully understand the subversive nature of his art. So that's it. The trips went well. And like I said, once uh, Laura gets back from her big trip, we will let you know how it goes. If you want to follow along with our editors as they travel with their kids, you can do so on Instagram. Laura is at Laura underscore Redman. Sarika is at Sarika 008. Michelle is at Michelle Hall Baran. And Tim is at Tim Jester. And of course, Afar is now on threads. So please join us there. Our handle is at Afar Media. Ready for more unpacking? Visit Afar.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and threads. If you enjoyed today's exploration, I hope you'll come back for more great stories. You can subscribe to Unpacked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to rate and review it. It helps other travelers find the show. This has been Unpacked, a production of Afar Media. The podcast is produced by Aislinn Green and Nikki Galtaland. Music composition by Chris Collin. And remember, the world is complicated. We're here to help you unpack it.